Need a quick hit of Marketing Smarts inspiration? Here it is. We have lifted portions of our Marketing Smarts episodes for those of you who need a quick jolt of marketing savviness right now. Refer to the description for how to find a longer form version. And with that, here it is. Number three, always speak from the customer's point of view versus your own. And you go ahead and take this one too. Yes. So this is always putting yourself in a position about what is best for your customer and their consumer, not necessarily what's best for you. And this goes hand in hand with knowing what your customer's needs are as well as their consumer's needs in order to be able to really create value creation that's so critically important for you to be able to sell your client, your customer on what you are going to provide for them that's going to make them want to to choose you. Now, the, the trick here, and we've seen this a lot in, in, in our, our clients ask us this question all the time, is like, how much time do I spend then promoting myself, mm-hmm. right? And it is a balance, right? And especially if you're going in for a pitch or if you're going in for a networking conversation. And here's our, our rule of thumb on this, is that you don't need to sell them, overly sell them on yourself, but you do need to communicate the three critical brand questions that we always say defines a brand, which is who am I, why am I different, and why do you want me? And then articulate then in that why do you want me, that emotional impact you're going to have on their lives as a result of your involvement. That is what that value creation is, and that is what's so critically important to be able to clarify. You can do that pretty succinctly and pretty clearly without having to go on and on and on about yourself. Because at the end of the day, the customer cares about what's in it for them, not necessarily who you are and what you're bringing to the table until they can get you know that credibility uh, box checked for them. So ways to do this, okay? Um, in addition to keeping your pitch and who you are very tight and succinct and clear is use their terms and language instead of your own. And April will laugh at me because um, obviously I come from the P&G world and you know, a lot of people say we have our own language. I don't laugh. I groan. <laughs> you know. <laughs> but you know what? I still to this day, after even being out for two and a half years, have to check with people and say, am I speaking English or am I speaking P&G? And actually, it's still like a 50-50. Um, Especially when she's talking to another P&Ger and then I just lose my mind. Yeah, that's always really fun. If you ever want to see that, then I, I think we should do a video on that. I think. Everybody would enjoy that. Um, <laughs> but you also want to overtly speak to how you're addressing challenges or asks or issues that they have brought up. And this is another really critical point is that a lot of business will try to message track it back to what they want to say to their client. And there's a lot of places and a lot of times where that makes sense, but not when you're trying to develop that relationship that's going to get them to choose you. So answer their questions directly. And even if it's like, hey, we don't provide that service, but we know somebody who does, you can find a way to be a conduit. You can find a way to actually be able to um, be the one that connects it. And there's ways of being able to monetize that as well. So don't shy away from that. But um, it, it, if that is the option for helping to build a rela- relationship, because your client is going to remember that or your potential client is going to remember that, hey, you know, they were so cool that they, you know, didn't oversell me, mm-hmm. but I do now need something that they're going to sell and I'm going to go to them first. Because remember, the relationship is so important. 
And then go on a journey with them, okay? So this is about building a partnership. And like I said before, a partnership is relational, not transactional. So you need to be able to do give and take, which means that, you know, you can't be so rigid on everything that you do, how much everything costs, how much time everything takes, if you want to be able to be able to build that relationship. You need to be thinking long-term, not just short-term. Now, you shouldn't hamstring your business in a in, in the process of doing that, unless, you know, maybe you're new and just starting out and you're going to choose to give away some work in order to build credibility and to be able to build case studies. In some cases, that works. But that still is about building credibility, reputation in order to build um, eventually into that long term client roster that you're you're seeking. Yes, I think those are all really important points. And, and I think speaking from the customer's point of view, I'm going to take a little bit of a step back with my examples on this one, still holding in in with the CIC example, but more from our role as the agency to our B2B client. So I think, well, I know that the old agency model used to be where you would go in and sell your specific process offerings, all the things that Ann just said not to do. And it was basically take it or leave it. We are fill in the blank, interbrand, land, or wherever I was at that given time. This is how we do it. We're the experts. This is how you have to do it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the old agency model. That's <laughs> okay. Well, maybe it still exists some places. <laughs> how about this? The ones that have succeeded and continue to do a good job are the ones that have really embraced the point that we're making here. And when I joined Curiosity, one of the most refreshing things at that point in time was we had lots of long-lasting clients that were retainers. And I hadn't seen that in a while because, as I just said, I'd been working with some of these other folks. And and some of it had to do with the type of work. But but some of it was, you know, this is how we do it. This is what we do. Do it with us or don't. And that was kind of what I was used to. So I was very intrigued when I got in there. And Cincinnati was my very first client. And what I had to learn most immediately was their language. This is high-level executives, right? They hadn't had marketing before. So everyone's involved because this is a thing they're unsure of. They were very sales-focused. They were doing extremely well, but they realized that they were behind in marketing. And so I'd have to go in and talk to the CEO or, you know, my the head of marketing who was my main client, be at a board with all of these super high-level folks. And if I used the term consumer instead of customer – that was a problem. Or if I didn't explain the independent agent model through the lens of how we wanted to do the marketing work properly, that was another ding. And I remember giving my very first presentation and we were really trying to help them take a step back and think about brand first versus just putting marketing out into the market, especially given that they're not they're going up against, in some cases, like the Geico's of the world, right, who are spending billions of dollars. We knew they didn't want to do that. We wanted to spend the money with intention. But when you're doing that, you have to really make sure that you have a solid brand. And so So I went in to give my brand presentation from when I was at those previous agencies and they would stop me during the presentation and say, yes, but that's more in the in the CPG space or in Mm -hmm. the consumer brand space. Here we talk about it like this. And so, one, that kind of rocked my confidence, I will say, but I never made the mistake again. And I did my homework and worked really hard, almost like you study for a vocabulary test to make sure that I had all those terms down in the right way 
in order to have the credibility whenever I had to go speak in front of them the next time. And so that's what we mean when we talk about speaking their language. I mean, especially when you're in those retainer situations or you have long-term relationships, the expectation is that you understand their business sometimes better than you even understand your own because you're supposed to be at that table assisting with that on a regular basis. And if you can't get the fundamentals right, it's never going to work all the way through. And I would say the same thing is true. Um, We did some work for Drees and there the idea was the different types of homes that were needed across the country based on the terrain. So some houses not having basements or if there was flooding, how you built certain homes. I mean, all these little things that we had to learn because we were doing marketing, but then it quickly got into marketing based on region or location. And so they didn't want to have to retell us these things over and over and over again, right? They wanted us to be able to say, oh, okay, we're in Texas. Well, it looks like this. And the frustration would come out when we weren't picking up on that stuff fast enough. So I just can't emphasize enough the ability and the need really to get into your customer's frame of mind and then also quickly their business at every single level of that business. I just talked about terms, but we're also talking about sales goals and what their numbers look like and all of that. I mean, if you're really going to be the partner, like Ann mentioned in the previous, about really having that relationship, that's what it takes. Yeah, and just to build on that, if you're in more of an industry-based, um, you know, call it um, vendor services or something to that effect, um, I, it, it's it still applies, right? So it's oh, still yeah. about understanding whoever you're selling to's industry from their systems to their processes, whether those are manufacturing processes and systems or just the way that their company operates. So you can understand who you need to uh, talk to, who's the decision makers, because that's going to be critically important. We're going to talk about that later. But also you can understand then how what you're selling actually fits into whatever their system is. If you have to make them think too hard, they're going to go move on because they don't have time to really help you understand how you fit in. It is your job to make sure you understand how you're going to fit in. That becomes the uh, the opportunity that then also then leads to the emotional engagement that you can create as a result of being the solution for whatever their need is. So you, as you said, as you did, April, need to do your homework. You need to understand the industry. You need to talk to people. You need to kind of understand what processes and systems they have in place. You need to understand their business. You need to understand their lead times. And it does seem like a lot, but if you want the business, that's what you're going to have to do, especially if they're only choosing one. Again, mm-hmm. I mean, and that's uh, a, a really tough thing to have to uh, to um, time for and be able to plan for appropriately. Yes. Really good point. Okay, the fourth and final. Do not go so far as to sacrifice your own brand for that of your customer. So we just talked about all the things that we feel like are just foundational that you must have, that you must really focus on, the way to service in the B2B space, the way to make sure you know that end consumer just as much as you know your customer, all of those things. But this is a big one and one we have seen before. Yes, the old adage, the customer's always right, exists for a reason. But it stops when it's to the detriment of your brand. And this can happen in a lot of ways. It crosses a line for what you stand for or you're being asked to do things you aren't comfortable with. And, okay, yes, there's legal, regulatory, all of that stuff. 
But this is really about the integrity and the foundation of what your brand stands for. And you can certainly work with companies and brands that don't align exactly to you. But what you shouldn't do is work for companies and brands that go against what you stand for as a company. And there's a variety of reasons for this. It dilutes your message. It might even contradict it. Your brand really should be the foundation of all the decisions you're making. If you're making a decision to work with someone that goes against that, then you're violating your brand. And really, when you think about that end consumer, if you're not aligned with your customer and how they're doing business or what they stand for, all of those things, then you're not doing right by that end consumer either. So we say you have to hold true to who you are. You have to make sure that Not that you're in agreement, but that you can get on board with the approach and desire and their brand and all of the things that they want to do. And that at the end of the day, you can feel good about the relationship. We've talked a lot about relationships today. That relationship is only going to be authentic and true if you're both honest about what you stand for and in agreement with those things related to your brand. And so this is a big one. I mean, I've worked at plenty of agencies where we walked away from clients and plenty of agencies where we didn't. And I can tell you that everything fell apart and unraveled pretty quickly when we started taking on clients that we really didn't feel like were aligned, but we wanted to fill in the blank, get the shiny brand, Mm -hmm. make some money, have it, you know, as a case study example, win awards, stuff that's more surface level. And it really eroded a lot of the culture of the organization. It distracted from other clients. Um, It made people reluctant to work for us, quite honestly. It made people leave the company. Um, and, And at the end of the day, the work was never very good, I would say, because we were at odds with the client from the beginning. And so it's really important to make sure that you're preserving your brand, you're preserving the criteria by which you make those decisions, and you're taking on clients that you really feel good about and that are keeping true to who they are. And on the side of of another example, I've talked a lot about CIC. So I'll just mention here that The reward for them by being super selective and staying true to their brand is it's a highly, highly coveted thing. Like your independent agency has made it if they get to carry CIC. Mm. So that's really the caliber you want to be at. And it's because they didn't make any of those mistakes. They choose those agents based on the ones that are aligned to them. Another example is um, I've done some work for Meridian Bioscience and They're a company that has always been super humble and has always really tried to do the right thing, even if it wasn't quote unquote sexy. Um, So they are really just head down, get the work done, create the next thing, service our customers that way, make sure that there's really no BS. And they're a little quieter, I would say, as a brand, but everybody knows that when they put their products out, they're going to be good. And they're, again, going to really serve the end consumer, the patient in those hospital settings. To the contrary, they have competition in a company called Cepheid, who you go to the conferences, and and they're also highly credible, but totally different in their manifestation. They have the the biggest booth. They have the shiniest things. They even um, went to the 
the extent at one I was at where they had um, mannequins in their booths set up in different stations, which I have to say I found highly creepy. But they had them set up to kind of show the patient experience. And the booth was massive. I mean, Mm -hmm. just like four times anybody else's. And so I think um, there are another example, Meridian, not Cepheid, but of really doing a great job of staying true to who they are and doing the right work, even when there can be distractions by companies making more money or, you know, really going after being the first in the field, all of those types of things for the wrong reasons. So just a few examples there. Yeah. And you hit on on some of the hard points for sure. But I wanted to bring up a softer point because we talk about building that relational connection being so critically important. But there is a point, too, that you could be starting to be taken advantage of. Oh, yes. Right. And so that's also a hard stop. And you'll know when that's happening. And okay, I, I won't like call out a brand, but this did happen to me, especially early on in my consulting career, which I didn't set up an expectation with regards to what I was going to be providing and what is above and beyond, mm-hmm. right? And this is going to be the same for a lot of you out there who are either solopreneurs or vendors of some sort who deal with a lot of customer service, right? So, um, you know, you have to be very, very protective of your time. Um, your time is is your most important commodity, if you will, but it's it's highly valuable. And when people are starting to take advantage of your time or you can sense that they're starting to try to get extra, even though they may not quite you know, deserve it, you have to be able to put a, um, a, the line down in the sand and say, okay, get that you need this. This is now going to cost incremental money because it's going to take incremental time. But you can do yourself a whole lot of good by making sure that you're clear about what your services are that you're offering, what you're providing in the, in the upfront. That doesn't detract from the relationship. This is not necessarily a handshake and, you know, we're going to go out and grab a couple of beards and I'm going to be there and you're going to be there. I mean, you have to still set up the rigor that make sure that what things are going over that line, that you can explicitly go back to that and make sure that you have some sort of course um, or recourse, if you will, in order to be able to ask for more money, scope additional work and, and those sorts of things so you don't get taken advantage of. Yeah, I, I think that's you're exactly right. I totally missed that one. But yes, for all of those reasons. Um, and I think when I gave my agency examples, that was a big one, too. Right. Pushing the team too far, taking everything they can get, not appreciating yep. our time, treating us like a commodity, not valuing the creative thought process. I mean, all of those things. And and at the end of the day, it, it's all of that that leaves a bad taste. But yes, anything you can do to prevent yourself from being in that situation, I think is huge. Still need help in growing your marketing smarts? Contact us through our website, forthright-people.com. We can help you become a savvier marketer through coaching or training you and your team or doing the work on your behalf. Please also help us grow the podcast by rating and reviewing on your player of choice and sharing with at least one person. Now, go show off your marketing smarts.